always get so nervous, like maybe those people will come to church this Sunday, be like, hello, I'm here visiting. What is that? So uh, my question for you is, how many do you think, uh, come on, be bold, raise your hand, how many do you think could actually fully recite the Lord's Prayer right now without looking at any cheat sheets? Wow, that's, that's fairly impressive. That's good. So um, that's good. I'm, I'm really happy about that. But go ahead and grab your little card, find the little card. While you're locating that, I want to give you just a little bit of background on this prayer. Uh, the Lord's Prayer is found in two different places. It's found in the book of uh, Matthew and in the book of Luke. In Luke, the disciples were ask, asking Jesus, they were walking along, and they're like, hey, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And so Jesus, Jesus says, yeah, here, here's what you do. You kind of pray like this. And so that's actually in the book of Luke. Then in the book of Matthew, during the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus was teaching to a large crowd, and, and he, he said, this is how you pray. And he gave this great model, this good, this good uh, kind of a prayer on how to pray, and we call that the Lord's Prayer. And uh, the Lord's Prayer, if you were kind of like, you remember, do we, do, does anyone do uh, sentence diagramming anymore? Was that kind of like something that didn't really work out? I don't know. Like, I don't hear of kids learning that. And we spent like years, it was like the worst years of my life were spent on sentence diagramming in school. And I never use it. But anyways, if you're learning it, keep going, I guess. Uh, but, but if you were to diagram the Lord's Prayer, you could kind of break it down into a couple different sections. One would be kind of like the, the introduction to the Lord's Prayer. That would be like, hey, Andy, or dear Andy, or hello, Beth. And then that would be the introduction. And then it's followed by seven requests. And, uh, and, then, and then it ends with kind of this, this stanza on, on praise. And so it's kind of three different sections there. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with this prayer. Yeah, yeah, and when you say the Lord's Prayer, people go, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know. But it's, it's sometimes hard to actually remember. So that's why we're going to spend the, the next couple of weeks on it. And, and we're going to actually look at this prayer and ask the question, how, what, what is it that specifically Jesus is teaching us through this prayer? What is it that you and I can glean and, and understand? And, and how does it really change the way we pray? Because quite frankly, uh, this is a little bit of a staggering uh, statistic that just came out. Last, last December, that would have been like last month, it came out that uh, 90%, Washington Times rep- uh, reported, 90% of, of Americans pray every day. Are you surprised by that? I don't know if it's like, no, don't pull me over, don't pull me over, don't pull me over, dear God, dear God. I don't know what it is. You know, I know. <laughs> dear God, no, this is not tax time. I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of prayer it is that was not reported, but 9 out of 10 people report praying every day. Now, out of that 90%, half of those people, according to the Washington Times, pray several times a day. So you could conclude, if I, I have no idea about that study, but looking at the Washington Times, which you know is a credible source, you could conclude that Americans pray. But the question is, and I, I, I have this question personally, do we actually really know how to pray? What, what's the example for that? And so that's why we're going to take a look at the Lord's Prayer over the next couple of weeks and, and kind of check it out. So let's start by, by we, we've never done this, and we're going to try it. We're going to read together. I don't know if we can do this. We'll try, because there's always those weird pauses, like, is he going to go on? You know, and so sometimes you read quietly, because you don't want to that, be that person reading the wrong uh, word, but we're going to try it together anyways. You ready? So grab your little card here. We're going to read it, and this is found out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, and here we go. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. 
Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That wasn't too bad. Good. Good job. So we are, keep this handy. You can keep it in, did I mess up or did, did we mess up? I don't know. I think I skipped a word there, but I don't read very well, so it was my fault. But keep this handy in your, in your uh, pocketbook or you know, throw it into your, uh, your, your Bible or whatever, throw it on the mirror of your car. And, and for the next five weeks, check this out. And throughout the week, again, I want to encourage you to continue the conversation with God. And so this is a great little reminder to look at this and kind of re- recall what, what we've learned on Sunday and kind of continue your, your conversation with God. We're going to take a look at the, the, the addressing part. Jimmy's like, put it on his forehead. Please don't do that. It's not sanitary. But uh, put this somewhere where you'll remember it. Um, we're going to start by looking at the address portion of this prayer, which is the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's the part that we're going to look at. And, and right away, right away, if you were living in Jesus' time and you were listening to him say these words, you would have spotted something insanely radical just from that phrase alone. You and I read it, it doesn't seem so radical, but if we had been transported back into his culture in that time, we would have read that and went, are you serious? Are you serious? Because Jesus calls God Father. He says, our Father. That's a very, very big shift culturally. Because see, the the Jewish people were not used to calling God Father. They would call him lots of other things, but they would not call him Father. They wouldn't have even thought about it because it would have been fairly, probably disrespectful. It's too, it would have been like too common of a word. Too common. I don't call you father. Now, creator and God and Lord and king, those were all things that they would have said. And they had lots and lots of many names for God. It's just really fun to actually go through the Bible and study all the different names that the people of that time had for God. So, like, for instance, if a man was in need, and he needed something, and he would pray, he would pray Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Or if someone was, was anxious, he would pray Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. And so they had all these different names. Like if I was sick and I was praying to God, I would say Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. So you get the point, on and on and on. They use all these, all these phrases and names for, for God. And then Jesus gets to this point right here in this prayer, and he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on, hold on. Here's something radical to consider. And he instructs the people of the day to forget their formulas, <laughs> to forget their, their phrasings and all the complicated things that they did in the names and cut out all the rif- ritual and cut to the, the quick and call God Father. That's huge. That's huge. And I'm sure when Jesus said it, people were like, oh, blasphemy, you know, or picking up a stone or, you know, it's just, what, what is going on? Murmur, 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 murmur around the crowd. Such another great section here. Just a great example of Jesus, how he just explodes the stereotypes of God all the way through. Everything that he talked about through all the Gospels, he just always challenges the stereotypes of who God is. And, and here, by calling God Father, and just starting off the prayer this way, this is how you pray, you should pray, Father, He's pointing out that, that God is not some kind of impersonal, supernatural, cosmic force. That's just not what God is. That he's not some kind of angry tyrant 
You know, you heard me, you hear me joke about this sometimes. I, I think sometimes we envision God sitting, sitting up in heaven in front of his iMac, because, you know, God uses Mac. And he's sitting in front of his iMac with his finger on the smite button. Like, just look, gotcha, piano on the head, you know, as you walk down the street or whatever it is. And, and I think incorrectly, we've been raised to think, oh, man, you know, is God some kind of angry tyrant? And, and Jesus is exploding that, that stereotypical view, that he's just not that kind of guy. He's not some kind of apathetic creator that's just, you know, I, well, I, I created, and now I'm just going to kind of sit back and just watch it all. You know, that he's, he's, he's killing that, that, that view. And so in the Old Testament, just kind of give you an example of, of how, how Jesus carries this out. In the Old Testament, the, the word Father is used for God only seven times. Right here in this passage alone, Jesus calls, in this chapter, calls God Father over ten times. And, and throughout the Gospels, over 70 times, the word Father is used for God. And so when I see that, man, what, is, okay, what does that mean then? Like, seriously, what does that mean for me to understand that he's Father? This is a huge shift. Because now God is saying, not, not, not to only just think of me as Father, but to actually know me as Father. To know who I am as, as Father. Big change of perspective. That he's not simply some kind of power, but he is a person. He's, he's a person, and, and I like that because I, I can relate better to that. I can relate better to the personage of a father. To get to know, I can get to know a person. I, I can have a relationship with a person. And so Jesus says, start off our father. The problem, though, is this, and, and maybe this is the problem for you that is a stumbling block, is that the word father doesn't always bring warm fuzzies. <laughs> Sometimes it's a very, very negative image that, that is conjured up. Maybe, maybe it's because you've had a, a, a pretty lousy experience with your father. I mean, that's, that's reality in this world. Is that there are a lot of us sitting here that probably have had that experience. Maybe it brings back really bad childhood memories, or, or, or maybe the word father arouses in you some kind of regret or... Um, anger, uh, maybe resentment, uh, frustration, or some fear. And so maybe as you look at that word, you're like, man, I, I don't have a lot of great warm memories connected to that, that father term. Maybe it stirs up these deep feelings that, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you remember the feelings you got when your mom said, oh, just wait till your father gets home. <sighs> See, if you didn't have a good father, that's not good. And then as a kid, you go to Sunday school, and the Sunday school teacher says, oh, God, your father. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute. That doesn't compute because the father that I've got is not like the father you're describing. There's a, there's a disconnect here. And if that's who God is, I think there's a lot of people that would say, then, then I'm, I'm probably not interested in that. And so I think... Uh, I think Jesus understands this reality here. And so he follows it up really quickly. He says, when you pray, say, our Father. And then what's the next phrase? Look at your little uh, cheat card there. He says, our, the next phrase is, our Father who is where? In heaven. 
See, this is, this is a really important phrase here because Jesus is, is, is not just saying, he's not just referring to a, a, a location saying our Father, and oh, by the way, he's in heaven, because we know that, that God is everywhere. And so it's not so much location-driven as much as Jesus is talking about that heaven is this place of perfection, that, that, that we have this God who is a heavenly Father to us that is a God of perfection, and so here we start to see that the two topics of our earthly father and our heavenly father start to split a little bit. And Jesus said, listen, this is a father, but he is a perfect father. He's a father that, 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 that you're going to want to get to know. This is going to be worthwhile because he's perfect. Not like maybe what you have experienced. And I just need to, to, to give a nod that, I mean, some of you, on the other hand, have had great memories of your father. I mean, you, if I were to ask you about your, your father right now, you would just go on and on and on and tell about all the great things that your, your father has done. And, and, and so, so it, it, sometimes there's a spectrum of fathers. Over here, we have Dr. Evil, right? And then over here, we might have like, you know, Walt Cleaver. And then everything in between is experience, Right? We all have different stories on that deal. But I think we would all agree at the end of the day, as we take a look at our father, that they were not, no matter how great they were, no matter what their, their, their faults are, they were not perfect. They were not perfect. I, Beth and I joke right now that, that um, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm messing our kids up. Somehow, someday, I'm going to mess them up. We're just going to start saving for counseling now and be like, here you go, you're 18, you have good luck at college, this is for counseling, right? And just hand them... Because I know I'm not going to be perfect. There's going to be something as a father that, I, that I'm going to wrong them in. But here, Jesus says, our father who is in heaven, this father who is, who is perfection, this is the one that you pray to. This is the one that you commune with and get into, rela- excuse me, get into relationship with. So Jesus starts off the prayer this way, and it's a really big paradigm shift this perfect father. And so the question that I want to tackle and, and just kind of walk through for the rest of the morning is if, if that's how he starts the prayer, the, the real question is then, who is he as a father? Who is God? And, and, and really, what kind of father is he like? And is it worth addressing him as father? Is it worth getting to know him as father? And, and does it make any difference at all? What kind of father is he really? Because even as we've just touched on it, quite frankly, a lot of us here might have a skewed view of what a father ought to be. And sometimes that can be a huge roadblock in between us experiencing our Heavenly Father. This Father that so longs for us, that could be a huge roadblock. So what kind of Father is He? What kind of great, great Father is He? Because it will actually change the way we pray. It changes our whole entire uh, perspective if we get this. How do we approach Him? So, you know, I'm kind of a sucker for keywords because I love to keep things like really kind of boil down to a sucker thing or, uh, you know, I don't know what that means, simple things so that I can remember them during the week. And so, um, <laughs> let's use the second version on the podcast, all right? We'll do the next one. So, here's what I'd love to invite you to do is to continue the conversation. Would you just grab your program or you can even write on the back of your, your, your card there. And I just want to give you a couple thoughts that the Bible says. This is not my words. This is what the Bible says about who our father is. Specifically referring to the father. Who is he? Who is he? And, 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 and this is going to be kind of an, 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 odd, an odd message that we have today. Because, because this message today, it's almost like I just want to tell you. Hey, can I just tell you about my dad? 
like that's kind of where we're going today. Can I just tell you about who my father is? Let's just celebrate who God is. If we were to kind of write down who he was and, and who he is and the things he has done, what, what would be on that list? And, and I think if we took everything and kind of summarized it all together, the, the word says there's actually kind of four huge, big main topics that really describe who our father is. And so I'm going to give you some, some key words here. And the first one is you just write down the word caring. That he is a caring, insanely caring father to us. That God the Father wants, uh, wants us to know that, that we're loved, that we're cared for. And if you don't get anything else this morning, if, if, if you leave here not remembering anything else, I need you to remember this point here alone because this will rock your world. This will change your perspective like nothing else can. That you matter to God that you matter to him, that you are deeply sought after, that he cares for you, that he, he's incredibly interested in you, that he loves you to death. He's a caring father. It's not on the screen, but in, in, in Psalm chapter 106, it says that the Lord is, it uses this word, the Lord is a compassionate father. And that's, that's actually his most outstanding characteristic, by the way. <laughs> If, if we were to just start with a list, this, this is at the very, very top of the list, that he is a compassionate, loving, caring father. In fact, one time the disciples, right, they were out in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. Do you remember this? And they're, they're out in the boat and the, sea, the, the, the storm came in, the waves are crashing and they're taking on water and they, they, they're starting to sink and they're tossed back and forth and they asked the most important question, the, the, most, the, the, the ultimate question of all time. They go, Lord! They were yelling because it was loud. Don't you even care? We're drowning. Do you care? And what's the response? Yes. Check this out. See is quiet. Check out how much I care for you. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, this one is on the screen here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says this. Give all your worries and your cares to God. Everything all your stress, all your anxiety, whatever it is, you give it all to God for he cares what happens to you. He cares. So I have to boil this down in my life and I have to actually start asking specific things. Does God care about my house payment? Yes. Does God care about my health? Yes. Does God care about my job and my family? The answer is yes. Does God care about my successes in life and my failures in life? Yes, he's very interested in that. Does it even matter to him? Yes. Yes, he does. Yes, he cares. He cares a great deal. Psalm 35 says, The Lord delights in your well-being. Let that soak for a second. The Lord delights delights in your well-being. I'm so glad I'm a dad because this really helps me understand this. It gives me a perspective I've never had. I delight in my children's well-being. I delight when they're happy. I delight when they're successful. I delight when they have joy. I delight in their life. There's nothing better for me than that. And just as I do, Here's a father, our father, who's caring, who delights, who loves us. But here's the, the secret, I think, to knowing God's love. Um, recently, I was talking with somebody who said, you know, 
I think, I think my problem is I don't love God enough. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know, no, that's actually not your problem. <laughs> the problem is that not that you don't love God enough. I think the problem is, is that you don't understand how much God loves you. Because when I understand how much God loves me, man, I'm compelled. I am compelled to love him. And so when I really start to understand the inside, uh, uh, the core of my being, that God really, really cares about me, that I really, really matter to him, that he has got his eye on me, he's got his eye on you, then I'm going to love him back. It's inevitable because God is a caring, caring father. And that perspective right there, understanding that truth alone, and again, if you catch anything, this is the one, understanding that perspective alone has the potential to rock radically the way you pray. (laughs) I mean, because you think about it like this, when I pray to a caring father, I actually start to understand that his heart beats for my heart. That what's really important to me is important to him. That what I'm struggling with, he struggles with. That what just tears me to shreds is tearing him to shreds. That's what caring means. You think about the people that are closest to you in your life. And, 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 and who do I share my junk with and the stuff that kills me? I go to somebody who, who cares for me, obviously. Who cares for me, that, that, that is sensitive to me, that, that, that really has my best interest. And then I share with him because I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get love. And God says, okay, that's the type of father I am. I want you to trust me. I want you to approach me. I want you to understand. I, I feel like God is screaming to some of us. I, I know you had a, hard, a skewed view of your father. Maybe, a, maybe again, an unloving, an, 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 an interested father. Maybe that's what was modeled to you. But God says, I care for you. I delight in you. I'm celebrating you. You matter to me. I'm interested in you. I am a caring father. Here's the second thing the Bible says about, about who the father is. So the first, the first one is caring. That's the second word right on the back of your card is unchanging. Unchanging. Meaning that he's reliable, that he's dependable. That here's a God that's worthy of trust. You might even say he's, he's consistent. In James chapter 1, verse uh, 17... It talks about this, this unchanging God. It says, every good and perfect gift is from the Father who, what does it say? Who what? Does not change. And I like this next phrase because it's very descriptive. Like shifting shadows. You know, you look at shadows on the ground, they're constantly, they're moving with the light, right? They're, they're constantly changing location. They're never just there. They change all the, all the time. So some fathers are, are unpredictable. Some fathers can be fickle. Have you ever found yourself in life saying things or heard people say things like, man, I never knew what to expect from my dad. I didn't know if one minute he would be angry, the next minute he'd be happy or, or moody or this, or maybe he was silent, or, or the next minute he was really tough. I couldn't figure him out. And if that's the case, and if that was my father's experience, then I take that to God sometimes, and it can affect the way I pray. But the Bible says, no, no, no. See, this father, this father is consistent. This father is unchanging. He's not moody. Aren't you glad that God doesn't ever wake up with a very, very bad mood? (laughs) Seriously, that would just be horrible. 
that God wakes up with a bad mood and just like, oh, uh, yeah, you've been, a, you've been a great child of mine, but uh, smite today. And that it doesn't matter whether, whether I've had a good day or a bad day, that he loves me the same. He's unchanging. He's consistent. It's not based off of who I am or my performance with him. Isn't that great? That it's not based off of my performance with him. It's based off of my relationship with him. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, talks about this. It says this, Even if we are faithless... <laughs> which how many times during the day am I faithless? I I don't even know. I don't even probably want to have that conversation. But even though we are faithless, he remains faithful, unchanging, consistent, reliable. Why? Because he cannot disown himself. It is in his DNA. It's who God is. It's at the core of his character. He can't disown that. He is faithful, reliable, consistent. Even when I'm not, he is and as I reflect on this, I've got to tell you, that is great news. In this world that changes daily, consistently, all the time, where lives in, in, are falling apart, especially right now, I, just, I, like, I don't even want to watch the news. Things are falling apart. Things are unraveling. There's one thing I know, according to the Scripture, that I count on, and it's that God will always act the same to you and me, no matter what. He is consistent. He is caring. He is unchanged. No matter what I think, no matter what I might feel, no matter what I might do, he is faithful. He keeps his promise. One of the things that haunts me as a dad is um, promises I can't keep. Does this, does this bother anyone else? And sometimes they're even the small things like, hey, dad, would you play with me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right after I do this over here. And what I hate hearing is when my, when my daughters will say to me, but dad, you promised. <sighs> Do you know what inconsistent parenting does? It creates insecure kids. Aren't you glad that we have a God who is consistent with us, who promises, who's, who's unchanged? That's why we start off, our father Not only do you care for us, you're consistent with me. You're always there. Who you are today, you will be tomorrow. I know who it is when I approach the throne. I know who it is when I come to you in prayer. You never change. It's not like I have to figure out, okay, who is God today? You know, is he angry with me today? Is he happy? What, what is, is he going to hurt me today? You know, is, is he graceful today? What, what are all these things? I don't know. I don't know. But if I understand who God is in the Bible, he says, I'm the same Throughout all of eternity, all of history, I'm the same when you approach me in prayer. Here's the third key phrase about God. He is caring. He is unchanged. Here's the last one, or actually the third one. He is intimate. Just write down that key word right on the back of your card. He's intimate, meaning he's available. He's accessible. Paul talks about this in uh, Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 26. He talks about it uh, when he talks about God being everywhere. He talks about this whole concept of intimacy. In verse 26 says, For one man, from one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them, and the exact places where they should live. Verse 27, God did this so that men would seek him, and perhaps reach out to him, and find him. And and here's the phrase, though he is not far away from each of us. See, I think sometimes we feel like God is a billion miles away. 
But if I'm, if I'm understanding the last point, that God is unchanged, he's consistent, then I have to understand this point in light of that. That God is not a million, he's right here with me. He's not off in some kind of far distant, you know, hiding out corner of the galaxy, just, I hope Andy doesn't find me today. You know, I'm not going to show up. That's not who God is. God is an intimate God wanting to be in our life. And I think going back to our examples of fathers, see, this doesn't jive with our examples sometimes. There's a lot of absentee dads today. Maybe Maybe that's your story and that's your experience. And increasingly, I think fathers become too busy. Man, I'm, I'm totally at fault for that too. I got I to gotta watch it all the time that I just don't get swept away by my schedule and swept away by all the stuff I have to do because my number one responsibility is to be a father. Because if I let that slide, there'll come a point where I'm not around or I'm just too busy or I'm not at home or, or maybe I'm gone on the most important days of my kid's life or, 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 or whatever it might be. Or maybe, maybe, maybe your father, when he was home, he was still completely detached. He wasn't even there. It's like he was, he was home, but he was still working or he was home and he's watching the game, except for today. And uh, he's totally watching and just, just checked out and not there. Absent. And again, that's not who this father is. In Acts 17, he is close to us. He is near. He is intimate. He's not aloof. He's not detached. And if that's true, if that's true that my God is an intimate God, then what that means is for you and me that is, he is not too busy. He's not too busy. Psalm 145 says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. This week, you're going to have a burden. Maybe you've got one right now. Maybe you're sitting in here and uh, you're having a hard time concentrating right now because you're thinking about the days to come or maybe what happened yesterday or last week. Um, And there's something that is just probably just heavy on your heart. And sometimes we are tricked into thinking that, man, I've got this burden, but God... (laughs) Seriously, would God even give a rip about my life or even care about this particular burden? And sometimes we get this view maybe that God says, ah, man, you know, not right now, I'm too busy. I'm just kind of swamped being God, you know, doing the God things that I do. Not interested in your burden. But the reality is, He can handle anything. And He wants to handle anything that you bring to Him. Because he's intimate, he's not too busy. Because he's intimate, he loves to meet my needs. Matthew uh, chapter 7, verse 11 talks about these needs. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? I love to give gifts to my, my kids. I love to invest in them. But the point of the scripture is, if I love to invest in my kids... Like times 10,000, that's what God does for us. Addie just turned eight. She turned eight. <sighs> that doesn't hit you like it hits me. I, I mean, I've been looking at this little girl, and she's eight. She wanted uh, to do something special for her birthday, and I was expecting like Jungle Gyms or um, Chuck E. Cheese or, you know, something like this. And uh, she came up with a plan. She said, Daddy, here's what I want for my, my birthday. She goes, I want you to take me on a date. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, oh, I'll take you on a date. Yeah, totally, you know. Because I know that my, I know my time is limited. 
before long, there's going to be other gorillas knocking at the door for dates, and <laughs> they better run serpentine up the driveway. That's all I have to say, you know. <laughs> so she planned it, and, she, and Beth got her all ready, and she picked out her dress, and um, she did her hair, and she wore lipstick. Oh. I just have to say for the record, that kills me. That, I think that's like not, this should not happen until at least 28. And um, I went out and I, I wore a suit. Can you imagine that? I wore a suit. I actually have one. And, um, I got a dozen roses, two dozen roses at Costco. And uh, I snuck out the garage and I came around the front door and I rang the doorbell. And I came in and she was waiting at the top of the stairs. <laughs> And I can't do it because I'm missing the gene, but she kind of came down like this, you know. <laughs> and she had this huge grin across her face and, oh, man. And, okay, this is great. She's eight. I'm like, you know, so where do you want to go for dinner? Olive Garden, Max and Cheese. Isn't that, wouldn't that be great to be eight again? You know, where do you want to go? Are you kidding me? Max and Cheese, Dad. So we went out to dinner and... Uh, and then we went shopping together, and we bought uh, some, some little necklaces, and we took pictures. And I think about that, and I am so far from anything but a perfect dad. Again, I, I just, I shudder to think at how I, I actually might let my children down. And if that's the little tiny capacity that I have to love someone, that's what this verse is saying here, that God trumps that for you. That specifically, he is tracking down how to love you. That he is intimate with you. That he wants every portion of you. He would long for nothing more than to share these moments with you. He's intimate. In fact, Jesus, Jesus used the word here. And the word for father is in Aramaic, which is interesting because the, 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 the gospel is in Greek, right? But he spoke Aramaic. And the word he threw in here was Abba. Abba. Which, which is this, this really intimate word. It's this, it's this word that probably babies could learn to say first, right? Dada, Papa, Abba. And this word Abba means daddy. Our daddy. Our Abba. Our father. Intimately. That's the relationship that God wants with you. That's why this whole entire prayer starts off with our Father. Because we don't approach that way. If we don't get that, the rest of the prayer, man, is not as powerful. If I'm not in relationship with this God, this Father, this Abba relationship, that's how he wants us to know him. You know, see, when I come home from work at the end of the day, I don't walk through the door and set my backpack down and, 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 and three kids come around, yeah, nine out of ten times, th- three kids will come around, running around the corner, and one crawls, and comes up and, and, and they, they grab me, and what do they say to me? What do they say? Oh, mighty procreator of our family. <laughs> awesome ruler of the Marshall House. Who doth supremely give me allowance? You know, they don't say that. <laughs> they don't say that. What do they say? Daddy! Bam! Dog pile. And then they... Blah, 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 and they just start talking. 
There's nothing else that, that I want to be called other than that. And that's what God wants. He is our daddy who's caring. He's our daddy who's unchanging. He's our daddy who's, who's consistent, who's intimate with us. And here's the last one. The word is capable. He is a daddy, an Abba father, who is capable. Which means this, that nothing is beyond his ability, his resources. Nothing is, is taxing to him. Whatever it is that I struggle with, whatever burden it is that you carry, whatever, whatever stress and anxiety, whether it be at, at, in the home place or in your marriage or in relationship or family or business or finance, Luke says, the Gospel of Luke says, nothing, 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 which means everything, nothing is impossible with God. Meaning God is capable my kids think I'm capable to fix anything. They will bring me dolls with decapitated heads and, and RC cars that don't work any longer and, and things that have broken into a million pieces. I'm like, Dad will fix it. And they come, and right now they think that I can fix all these things. There's going to come a day when they're going to look at it and go, you can't fix everything. And there's going to come a day when they realize I don't know everything. And th- there's going to come a day when they, they, when they actually start to realize I don't actually own my own bank either. And they're going to be sorely let down because dad doesn't have the resources. And that's how I felt when I was growing up, looking at my dad, like my dad could do it. He'll do it. He'll take care of it. But as I grew older, I realized that my dad had these limitations. That that as I was asking my dad on advice on things, actually he was kind of making it up too as we were going along because he didn't know, even though I didn't know. It's not because he was horrible. It's because he was human. But here is a God, who here is a daddy of a father, our father, who has unlimited resources, unlimited knowledge, unlimited power. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I like how this starts, because how it ends is very powerful. And so how it starts is pure praise. Now glory be to God. Glory be to God. Why? By his mighty power at work within us. He is able, he is capable to accomplish more, accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. (laughs) He's capable. Unlimited resource. I have these weird thoughts in my head sometimes. Maybe you struggle with this too. Like, man, I, I don't know if I ought to be asking God for that. I don't know if I should be bringing that up. I, I don't know if he would like to hear about that. I, I don't know if he can actually solve this problem. Where does that come from? I'm, I'm sorry, Ephesians 3.20? Infinitely more. Do you have any resources, God? Infinite. Do you, what kind of resource? Infinite more, more, more than anything. Infinite resources for you. And it's almost like he's daring. I dare you to ask. (laughs) I dare you to even hope because it actually will be more than that because I'm capable. I'm unchanging. That's your father. That's your father. 
And I think as, as followers at K2, the church, if you and I this year, oh man, I don't want another year to pass without fully understanding this. In 2009, if we would fully grasp this perspective of our Father, it would rock our prayer life. It would change everything. And I think, though, that what stands in the way of that is I think some of us have a major wall, as we've talked about. This wall between you and God because you're assigning this father title, maybe everything you've experienced in life and maybe it just wasn't so hot. And you're assigning this and you're placing that head on the shoulders of God. And God is saying, I'm not that kind of father. I'm a perfect father to you. And maybe some of you are feeling like you're feeling alone because you have this misconception that that God is a distant God. He's a distant father that's uninvolved, that's absent, that, that never gets involved in your life. And why should I pray to a God that's aloof, who doesn't even really seem to give a rip about me? Until you start to look at the scripture and understand his undying love and intimacy and compassion and care in consistency with us. And maybe you have a hard time in prayer connecting with God because your own earthly father you actually wouldn't trust. Maybe not in all topics, but maybe there's some really, really important topics that you would not trust him on. And again, God is screaming, I'm trustworthy because I care because I'm here and I'm near. The challenge that I want to leave us with this week is to really rectify those thoughts and ask the question, do I have the correct view of who the Father is? Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a very, very long time. And I have. And these, these definitions, these weird thoughts, these skewed views of God start to creep into my mind all the time. And I have to remind myself, who is he? Is he capable can I, can I trust him? Is he consistent? Is he unchanging in my life? Does he even care? Yes. Where does it say that? Well, we've, we've looked at that. How, what, what, what are the promises I can claim for that? And maybe that's the challenge for you to week, this week, to actually sit with that thought. And maybe it's going to actually involve confessing, to go before God and say, God, I, I have not trusted you. God, I actually have felt like you're not capable, and that's why I've kind of been doing it on my own. God, I've not seen you as an Abba Father, but I've seen you as this angry tyrant. And I confess that this week to you. And I want to give you something that will actually help you in this conversation. Again, because because please, continue the conversation. Take this tomorrow and run with it and sit on these thoughts and, and, and ask God if there would be anything for you to take some next steps on. Reach underneath your chair really quickly. You're going to find a, a little tiny slip of paper there. Dave Elsog and I, when we were sitting talking about this message, kind of had an aha moment that in every chapter in the book of John, there is some description or something that is said about the Father. Wow. And so we wrote him down here for you. Maybe you need to know that, that not only is he caring and unchanging and consistent and, and that he's, he's this, this capable Father 
But maybe you need to understand that he's accepting of you, that he's generous, that he's a nurturer, that he is at work around you, he's powerful, that he, he listens to you. And I would encourage you this week to take this and to start reading through. And I purposely did not put the, the, the actual text or the verse on here. I want you to read it and kind of soak it. Say, where, where is this in here? What is it saying to me? And to meet with God on, on this issue. And to reconnect with your Abba, your daddy. There's one last question, though, as we end here. And it's kind of this looming question. Is, is everyone then... God's child? Is everyone God's child? Do we all belong to God's family? And I think the the answer is kind of yes and and no. The the yes portion of the question is, 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 yes, every human being is, 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 is a child of God in the sense that you and I have been created by God. And if you're a human being, and if you're living, and you're breathing, and you're alive, then in that sense that, that God created everyone, yes, we, we probably are a child of God. But the other side of that answer is, is, is no, not everyone has a relationship with God. Not everyone is able to call him Abba Daddy. Not everyone has that personal relationship. See, there's a lot more to being a father than just simply birthing kids, is there? There's a relationship involved there. We won't read it, but in John chapter 1, it says this. If anyone receives Jesus Christ and those who believe in his name, he gave the right to be called a child of God. How do you get the right to call him Abba? By receiving Jesus Christ. See, you don't get to become a child of God by being baptized. It's good. By tithing, that's great. By showing up at K2, all good. By, by promising to never sin, <laughs> good luck. Or trying to be perfect, let me know if it works. You know, none of those things allow you to become a child of God. But simply believing in Jesus Christ, Jesus saying, I am the way. Not just, I might be the way, or I hope I'm the way. But Jesus saying, I am the way. No one, no one becomes a child of God except through me. That's the relationship that God seeks with you. And as the band comes up, we're going we're to worship now this, this Father. There are some of you that are here today that you, you've been thinking about this for a long time. You may have been coming to K2 for a long time or other churches and, and maybe just on your own really trying to track along with God. And you've been thinking about this decision to become a child of God and to really kind of step into relationship with him for a long time. Maybe for, for weeks or months or even years you've been contemplating this, thinking about diving in. And I want to encourage you today to say yes. That 2009 would be a year of you saying yes to Jesus. Not, not yes to joining a church or, or, or yes to promising to prove perfect or, or yes to all these other things, but yes to the love of Jesus Christ and his death for you on the cross. That gives you the right and full access to call him Abba, Father. That's what God wants. And today may be your day to do that. And I'd like to invite you to do that. During this, this time of worship, to simply just say, say to God, God, again, I don't have this all figured out, but I need 
you. Today I want to be your child. I say yes to you today. I accept you today. I receive you. I need you. And for those of you that have already made that decision, would you spend this worship time with me in worshiping the Abba, in worshiping your daddy? Whatever it takes for you to intimately do that today, would you do that? Stand up, sit down. I don't care what you have to do. Just quietly pray. Look again through this prayer. Start flipping through your Bible if you want to. Sing and engage. Whatever it takes for you to engage with your daddy. There's this phrase that that I've been thinking about. Two words. Approachable awe. I feel like that, like that really summarizes our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. This approachable Abba Father and the awe of him. Would you spend some time with me right now approaching the throne, standing in awe of him, connecting with him as your Father, positioning your heart so for the weeks to come we can receive the rest of this prayer and put it into action in our life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it's with much, much gratitude. I just I thank you so much for this prayer. I thank you, God, for introducing this phenomenal concept, this, this, this change of perspective that although you are creator and you are king and Lord, and all of those are true and certainly appropriate, that you are so close, that you're intimate, that you desire me, that you desire us, that you're unchanging, you're consistent, you're capable to handle anything. And God, that, that, I, I just feel like it's is summarized in hope as I think about my relationship with you and in this world, it's hope. Thank you, God, for the grace that you bring, that you reconcile us to your Father, that we're reconciled back into relationship by saying yes to you and receiving. Lord, as we worship you now, I just pray that it would be delightful to your ears. Oh. Uh, again, that just, just this, this smile would break across your face, that you would just really sense our love for you. Thank you, God. Thanks for being our Abba. Thanks for being our Daddy. Thanks for being appro- approachable and a God who cares. We love you. Amen.